And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. Today is a very, a very special day. Our special is in, you know, whatever, whatever special means to you. Um, today, I have with me a collection of fans from around the Horizon League in what do we call the first ever. Horizon Roundtable, Fan Battle Royale. I know it sounds more interesting than it probably actually will be. Um, but again, I am your host. I'm Bob McDonald, and I am on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Unfortunately, today, uh, my co-host, Jimmy Lemke, is unfortunately unable to join us. But as I mentioned, I have representatives uh, from... Fans from every other school except, uh, as it turns out, IUPUI. So, sorry, guys. Yeah, not for lack of trying. So, um, so what I want to go ahead and do here is I want to uh, let everybody introduce themselves, with the noted exception of uh, John Durda from Cleveland State. At the moment, he is having some technical difficulties, and but I know he'll be in at some point in time. So, moving on down the line, then... Uh, I want to start uh, with Detroit Mercy. Wonderful. Uh, Carrick Jones, Detroit Mercy, class of 2016. All right. And uh, oh, and also feel free to put in your Twitter handle or every, anything else if you so choose to do so. You can find me on Twitter at Carrick underscore Jones. All right. Um, next up, Green Bay, Brian. What's up, guys? I'm Brian Dickman. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Dickman. Uh, I also do at Fear the Phoenix. I've uh, been following Green Bay basketball since 2007 and uh, writing Fear the Phoenix since 2011. Okay. Uh, John, have you fixed your technical difficulties yet? No, it does not appear so. Next! Um... So, uh, Milwaukee, Chad. I'm Hello, I'm Chad Canodal. You can find me on Twitter at MKE underscore agitator. I've been following Milwaukee basketball since approximately 1999, so I'm glad to fill in for Jimmy today. All right. Um, next up, Northern Kentucky, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris Hart. Uh, I'm, you can find me at Chris Hart 1992 or um, on my website, Norse Report, which is at Norse Report. Um, and I've been an NKU fan since probably since I moved here in 2003. Okay. Um, next up, Oakland, Matt. Hey, I'm Matt Dudek. Um, I am Grizz Talk OU and been following OU basketball since 2004. Great. All right. Uh, next up, Olier. Oh, that was pretty good. Uh, I'm Olier Anderson. Uh, my Twitter handle is Flamesmania, UIC grad, and fan. Okay. And, um, well, at the moment, uh, in Wright State, Ricky. Yeah, uh, Ricky Redinger. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at R underscore Redinger4. I've uh, been a Rice State fan since about the late 90s, probably I think like 97, 98 is my first knowledge of the game. So I've been following these guys for a little while. All right. Um, 
You do not hear a Youngstown State person, but Nick is somewhere floating around. He will join us sooner rather than later. All right. So, um, as I mentioned, um, this is an open fan forum, uh, but I will mention that I do have a certain set of topics, but I am also very realistic that uh, this conversation will get off the rails at some point in time. It's just a matter of when. So the first thing I wanted to mention, the first thing I wanted to talk about is, and Carrick, you're going to enjoy this because this involves Detroit Mercy. Um, It also makes me look like a complete idiot because I thought last week uh, there was no chance on the planet that uh, Detroit Mercy was going to get rid of Vakari Alexander. And literally three hours after the podcast was was, uh, posted, Vakari Alexander is no longer the head coach at Detroit Mercy. So, um, which leads me to the, my, uh, to the first question is, so what do we envision for a post-Bakari Alexander Detroit? Um, well, if they hired JJ, which I fully expect them to do, um, let's go a dumbed-down version of Miami football in the 80s is probably what you're getting. There's going to be more than likely some improprieties and a lot of winning, hopefully, or no improprieties and a lot of losing. But it's, it's going to be an uh, interesting situation, and I'm using my words very closely because I know for a fact I will get a phone call after this is posted from one Jermaine Jackson if I speak out of turn. So it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Sounds like fun. Um, uh, personally, I was, uh, personally, I was hoping for yet another, personally, I was hoping for the, uh, the wild, uh, another wild Gary Waters to Detroit rumor, but doesn't sound like it this year. No, I, I think it's, it's pretty much JJ or bust. I can't think of anybody else that they would probably even go and interview. Maybe the guy from Ferris state keeps coming up. A lot of our alumni that are very involved really like him, um, Outside of that, you know, there's two or three local high school coaches that are pretty, pretty big time. But when you have a guy already working in the building that's the interim head coach that kind of can decide if half your roster leaves or not, you, if you're Robert Vowles, you really don't have much of a choice. I mean, you really want to dig the hole even deeper and see where that goes. Granted, you know, they're not very well. They, they, they unless you find another rock lair, I don't know how much lower you can go. It's the thing that's scary is I, I don't even think he's a bad coach, and I like him. He's a nice guy. He's real good to one of my very good friends, Carlton Brundage. But, um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience. And if you ask high school basketball coaches in Michigan, it's very polarizing. They either hate him or they love him, or he's a dirty, rotten cheater. Uh, those are about your, your three different ways of opinion you're going to get on him. So, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Kevin Durant really likes him. So I, I guess if that's a good vote of confidence, uh, a lot of NBA players really like him. That's all you ever see on the social media is posts of him with NBA players and whatnot, and I'm talking about him. So I that's something, but I, I mean, I don't necessarily think that. Well, let me ask you this, and I actually pose this to both you and Matt, uh, you and Matt, because um, there, there's been a, yeah, I mean, and obviously between Detroit and Oakland, and that whole entire Detroit area, 
high school basketball scene. Um, you see a lot of, I, I know in the last few years, you've seen a lot of Horizon League players come out of that. Um, I, I can tell you right now, I mean, Dennis Felton just pulled three guys out of the, the Detroit area already. So between that and everybody else within mid-majors that are looking, you know, where, where does that, where does this kind of state of flux in Detroit? And, and I, again, I pose this to you as well, Matt, um, over at Oakland. Um, what is that? What does that mean to you guys? Well, here's here's the thing from the Oakland perspective. I used to enjoy uh, watching Mercy lose because we have that rivalry. It's mm-hmm. not even fun right now. But with that in mind, and I'm not even just talking talking crap, hiring Jermaine J- Jackson would be the worst thing I think that university could do. Um, he couldn't run a clean program in in the high school lines. I don't know how he's going to run a clean program at college. Um, his son having to have all those minutes already ran off their best player, who's transferring Corey Allen. Um, I mean, they're losing commits left and right. I think hiring Jermaine Jackson is a terrible idea. I think it's what settled Bakari Alexander with a bad, bad place to go is I think he was kind of saddled with JJ anyway, when he came in, there's been rumors of that is never confirmed, but I think he had to have JJ on his staff. And I think it was, it was bad for him to begin with. Um, the name that I saw just today, uh, Tony, uh, Tony Paul tweeted it out was uh, Rick Mahorn's apparently interested, which would at least be kind of a name and for the Detroit area might be something he's not a, I, he does radio sometimes for uh, Pistons games. You can catch him, and I think he's awful. But it might be a name at least to to help to try to turn that around. I find it interesting, yeah. And uh, uh, in terms of, and I, I open this up to the group. In terms of, it, I guess I can't understate the importance of having that those Detroit area teams, for lack of a better word, not suck. <laughs> I mean. You saw it this year, where this year, where the bottom half of the of the Horizon League just you know really was not great, and I guess I got to ask you know if you're looking at another major rebuild job after in Detroit, I mean, where does that put the state of the conference as it relates to you know kind of those bottom teams? Can I jump in? This is sure. uh, old. This is older. Um, okay. I, I I think that well, from looking in from a distance, that what could be they should just blow it up. I mean, JJ is not gonna is not gonna help. What did he do in the games that uh, Bakari was missing? Was there a change in philosophy? Uh, was there uh, they anything won. different? The team That's played four, more. Yeah, I they were, they yeah. were four and three, but what what was the big difference? They were four and three. I mean, so that. It was it was 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 the culture any different? Say again. Philosophy, but I, I think the kids played with more heart. That's the thing. I, I don't think Bakari could get anybody to play with any heart. I I agree with Matt that it's probably not a very good idea. But as a university, our hands are kind of tied here. We don't have a whole lot of money. You know, we probably just had to pay Bakari half of his buyout. I'm gonna go ahead and assume that his inappropriate comments probably lost him some money on that, knowing how good the university's lawyers are. Mm-hmm. But time uh, before you, one other thing I gotta ask: it, Did he? Uh, I I saw the words. I saw the the figure four hundred thousand dollars a year. Is that a real number for him? No, I, I think it's around two something. Oh, thank God! Because I was I was losing my mind last week thinking four hundred thousand dollars a year. 
Really? I mean, no. you'll never know for three or four years because everything's private, and then you got the tax documents, and it's yeah, it's a whole probably. I, I I think the the thing you're going to see if Detroit gets better is you're probably not going to see those kids leaking out to Cleveland State and Youngstown State anymore. Um, then again, where Dennis Felton's recruiting is probably places that U of D and Oakland aren't going to necessarily recruit. He's really recruiting the charter schools, and mm-hmm. half the charter school kids can't qualify at U of D. I, I'm gonna. You look at at Detroit charter schools; they're almost all of them are failing. Um, you know, Edison was really good this year, but I know one of their best kids couldn't get into any Power Five schools because of how bad the school is. I can't believe I'm going to agree with Kirky here, but he's absolutely right. Uh, there's a reason that U of D and Oakland aren't going after a lot of these Detroit kids between grades and the Detroit basketball system is not what it was even a couple of years ago. No. It's, it's deteriorating terribly. So there's a reason that they're not being heavily recruited by, by our schools right now. Yeah. The, the public school league let in all these charter schools and it's, it's just not the same. It's not like, you know, the year K Felder came out, you had from 2010 through 14, four years of really good basketball in the city. It's not like that. I mean, nothing against Clarkston, but you watched, you know, five white kids beat the hell out of everybody for the past two years. And it could have been four years. And, you know, these are the best kids in Michigan and they're not even in the top 100 at all. Well, that's the problem you guys have in Detroit, you know, is your academics. Our problem with us not recruiting at UIC, not recruiting public leaguers is the AAU yeah, that's the problem there because a lot of the public league coaches, uh, they run the AAU teams and, and they have this, they have some kind of, of level of, uh, it's almost like the Nike shoe companies. I'm right. gonna, you know, and so a lot of the, the, the coaches don't want to deal with that. So that's one reason why a lot of the uh, why UIC and some other even P5 schools don't even recruit the Chicago area like they used to because of the AAU coaches. So yeah. that's our problem with the public league here. In Michigan, we have a rule where the coaches can't coach the same age of travel as they do at high school. So you don't see that. Unfortunately, if I did it, I'd do it with soccer. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I think that the long Detroit's bad. It's, it's bad for the league because when Detroit was good, it was good for the ratings. I mean, we had a good rivalry going with Cleveland State there. It was good rivalry with Butler, good rivalry with Valpo. Um, but at the same time, we, we have a huge empty arena. That nobody, mm. nobody was showing up to watch that this year. Um, nobody was showing up last year. I hasn't really been good. I was telling Matt this in January. It hasn't really been good since 2012. It's it's been dwindling. The the university just not sinking money into getting people in the seats. And I mean, who wants to watch a game, even if it's good, with an empty arena on TV? There's no. It's like there's no atmosphere. It's really weird. It, it doesn't help that your students are terrible. They they oh, piled out. They no, I'm not kidding. They piled out of the Oakland Detroit game at halftime. They they came in. They were rowdy. Detroit or uh, Oakland came out early, and uh, man, by the, by the second half, Detroit was kind of back in that game. They could have used their students. I probably watched 400 kids leave at oh, halftime. Oh yeah, no, that's that's how it's been since about 2012. It's yeah. it's a, it's been a change in Greek life. A change in everywhere. I mean. I was the president in 2015 and in 2016, and it's there's the kids coming into school now, at least going to U of D, are so focused on like their program and academics, and either not having a social life, or so focused in their frat that they could 
realistically care less what's going on and it's really filtered down into basketball i mean even when we were good it wasn't crazy mm-hmm. but there was still 100 people at every game now I mean, how many times have you gone to no students so all right so and i know i keep pounding in the whole detroit thing but this this is uh kind of moving on topics uh the one thing i did want to talk about um it involves all of us and it's um you know motor city madness you know we, we have a you know the 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 deal with the Horizon League and Olympia is for five years. There's an out clause after year three. So what in exactly uh, – where, where does the league go from here? Does – I mean, because let's be honest. I'm looking – I look at it from a standpoint of, you know, Olympia put this together and they threw all, put all, threw all this money at it, and for lack of a better word, they're looking for bigger and brighter th- – they, they're probably doing this as kind of a dress rehearsal to something bigger. Like, for example, hosting a Big Ten tournament. Sure, sure, sure. It's 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 inevitable, but um, I think, it, it, and they probably don't have the time or choose not to take the time to wait on the horizon. But uh, it's it's a new venture. I mean, I'm pretty sure, and I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Arch Madness didn't take off right away after two or three years. It took some time to build. You got to get your teams right. Uh, so the, the attendance has gone up each and every year, although incremental. But I think if they give us give it some time, uh, there has been a changeover in coaches and uh, an increase in talent uh, across the league, in my perspective. So I think if they just give it some time, and uh, I think it'll I think it'll be okay. It may not be like Arch Madness. May not be as big as, of course, the uh, the big 10 that they want there, but uh, give it, given some time and the improvement of the teams, I, I think it'll be okay. You know, uh, I think it'll be fine. Give it some time, which they probably don't have. Yeah. The, the, and I think with that out clause after year three, I think uh, that, that's kind of the, that's kind of the issue because, you know, Olympia can revisit it and, and say, I mean, we, we put all this money in all this money in. we're year three and, you know, they're probably having that convers- same conversation within, you know, within the within the halls of Little Caesars Arena right now. And, you know, it's only, you know, we're looking at it from a standpoint of it's only a matter of time. Now, my other question to you, and I actually kind of pose this not necessarily to those within the, you know, that are in close proximity, but um, for those out in the Wisconsin area, you know, the Green Bays and the Milwaukee's of the world. You know, this is, you know, in terms of this tournament being where it is, and I know that this has come up a couple of times in previous, in our previous podcast, um, what do you, what is kind of your thought, your standpoint from, from that perspective? Because obviously the, the Wisconsin schools are further away than any of the other schools. So. Brian, you can go first. I personally don't mind um, the neutral site idea. I don't even mind Detroit as a location. Uh, I think the problem is having that Tuesday championship game, which we're probably locked into uh, because of ESPN. Mm-hmm. So I think um, if they could, if there's flexibility to move the dates, I think a neutral site would work better. Um, but if they're if we're locked into that Tuesday, I personally would rather go back to, you know, campus sites. And, to ensure we have full arenas that looks better for TV. 
That's just what about that? The, the, that first round of campus sites? Because I know long ago in a gal, I mean, not even four or five years ago, it was the setup was, you know, the first rounds that, that six through 10, they hosted at the campus sites or, well, I'm sorry, take that back. It was four through 10 or, or something like that. They hosted at the campus sites, and then uh, the the format's changed so many times. I've lost count, honestly. Yeah, and, then, and with Detroit, I guess you know the Horizon League has said that uh, the attendance has improved for those first round games compared to when they were played on campus, and those games were usually very lightly attended because oftentimes there's quick turnaround. Uh, you know, because seating's not always locked up, so you don't know if you're going to be hosting that game or who you're going to be playing. So, you know, it does make sense that way, but I'm talking more like the semifinals and the finals. I liked it with, you know, the full arenas. I I grew up in the Milwaukee area. I remember going to those, you know, those games at, at the arena against Butler and UIC. And I was at that game that, Milwaukee beat Green Bay. I'll never, ever forget that game in 2014. Um, and, you know, those are just amazing atmospheres. And we, it's, it's a shame we don't get those anymore. So, it's, uh, if, so say, for example, if Olympia decides we're done, we're going to you know, pursue other opportunities, where does that leave the Horizon League tournament? Does it end up in, does it end up in Indianapolis? Because I can't see it happening. I can't see it being hosted by the uh, the school, the top seed again. I, I just can't see it. I think they should maybe go if 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 all else fails. What's wrong with going back to the way it was originally before that Loyola UIC game in Cleveland State? That's really, <laughs> that, yeah, that's really what changed everything. It did. So they, You're absolutely they right. To, yeah, schools would have to bid on the on hosting the tournament. And for a while there, I thought it was great. I, I remember when um, when UIC hosted it, and uh, Detroit had uh, when they had Rashad Phillips. I mean, I was there. I I enjoyed the tournaments. I stayed for all the games, uh, and I thought it was very enjoyable. Uh, you know, like I said, that that Cleveland State when the game was held there, that changed everything. It did. Uh, You're it, absolutely right. Because not only did the not only did the way the venues. Be, were selected, changed, but the the entire format changed. The double buy came in. Exactly. You know, the, the whole the the highest seed, you know, the house of the highest seed came in. I mean, all of those for all of those formatting, all because you know we had two Chicago schools, you know, and battling about in Cleveland. About a hundred fans showed up there. It was um, just it about. Was un, yeah. It was on national I, TV. It was a it was a great game, but nobody saw it except the people that w- was watching ESPN at the time. I remember it vividly. <laughs> Yeah, because I, yeah. I remember because I remember going to the because uh, I remember going to the the Cleveland State Detroit game um, right in the first round. It was like the last. Uh, it was uh, yeah, it was and they oh crud was it yeah it was it was the oh one no two game and and I think I think the last thing I remember is I think if I'm not mistaken I think one of the mercy. Pep Banders got into it with like Theo Dixon or something. That's the only thing I can remember from that. Or no, no, no. I, or was it? I think it might have been one of the Detroit players got into it with Cleveland State's Pep. Band. I cannot. I can't remember the. You know the. I'm sure the the le, you know, you know the the legend is bigger than the story. And as they always yeah. say, when the legend uh, when the legend is bigger, print the legend. <laughs> right. 
So, but yeah, you're, 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 you're absolutely right. That, that whole thing with, with, with Butler losing that first round game in Cleveland. Um, yep. And that's, that's when everything just kind of turned uh, turned in on its, uh, turned on its ear. And, yeah. and now we're, you know, and, and, and it seems like we've, they've spent, you know, so many years just trying to, you know, figure something out. Number, trying to protect the number one seed and, and 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 they in all actuality the league has done what they're supposed to do in protecting the number one. The number one C just hasn't come through. I mean, it. I don't three think years would, in a row. And I don't think we'd be having this conversation about changing the venues or anything about the tournament if Oakland had did what they were supposed to do. NKU, had, if anybody that was number one or even number two had done what they were supposed to do. I don't think we'd be having this conversation. And especially when the last two years, the number one seed has gotten knocked out by a nine seed. Exactly. If, if we're so worried about protecting the one seed, though, why don't we just go to the Ivy League format and just put them in? Like, I'm sick of hearing about protecting the one. They've had every advantage, and that includes my school two years ago. We had every advantage, and we, and we didn't do our job. So you know, why are we so worried about protecting them? I don't want to be a small-time league and, and go back to campus sites. You know, put, put it in a neutral site. As fans, let's show up and let's support the league. I agree. I agree. But I think also now, since they've added the women, I, I don't want to come up as sounding sexist here. I don't think that that has helped because now you have so many games and you have uh, that you have the added days as someone alluded to before. And that, that Tuesday is still going to be there. But you have so many days and, and, and the women added. I think the women should have their own venue, their own tournament. Keep them I in. Try, yeah, try to have it as compact as possible, with as few few days as possible, as many games as you can get in, and let's go from there. You know? So I think I that know. I think what happened is in that case, I think what the Horizon League tried to do with that is they tried to replicate what the MAC did in Cleveland with uh, with with MAC Madness because they do all of those things. The problem that they had that that the Horizon League has is they kind of uh, they compress the schedule and more to the point, and this is also goes back to that first round of games. All the first round games for Ma- for the MAC tournament, I believe, are all, both men and women are hosted at campus sites. You are correct, and. And for what are, and I, I think that is probably, and I think that's where the, it, it's, it's just to, to your point earlier, it's too much too soon. And it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's too many, it's too busy. So, and you know, it, I guess the other thing is if, you know, if, if, if we're looking at the women's tournament, if we go back to the number one seed, Green Bay would host it every year. <laughs> well, Pretty which much. is fine because they should host it every year. I know. Until someone topples them. Which they probably won't. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Green Bay has built a dynasty up uh, in women's basketball. Dynasty. Why hasn't the University of Wisconsin, like the the major one, told Green Bay they need to pull their women's team from this conference if they win like they do. Like, if I'm thinking revenue, I'd be trying to put them in another conference. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know. I mean, isn't that their your re- that's your revenue generating sport, right? I mean, the attendance for women's games is pretty close to to the men's games, but I still think the men's 
uh, generates more revenue than than the women's team does. Yeah. So, um, and and so one of the things that I was also looking at since, um, as I'm sure some of you saw going prior to, um, prior to the start of the podcast, looks like. Uh, Looks like Xavier has found a new coach in Travis Steele, and it got me thinking a little bit. And got me thinking a little bit about the coaches within the league. Uh, specifically, um, I think of John Brandon at Northern Kentucky and uh, Scott Nagy over at uh, at Wright State. You have two here. You have two coaches, um, especially with John Brandon. He's you know, you know he's he's really built that team. He got. He he got the t- you know he's led the team to a an NCAA tournament in the first year of their eligibility as a D one team. You know Scott Nagy come in came in and he he was able to get his team into the tournament this year. As is always the case with mid major programs, there's always that specter in the back of, uh, in the back of the room of where do you do you, do you see a, a moment in time maybe not this year but potentially next year where a John Brennan or a Scott Nagy might be looking to seek life elsewhere I would definitely say that um, coach Brennan I, I he's going to be out in the next few years I mean I know he's been interviewing for jobs this offseason already middle, middle Tennessee State I believe they did, they ran a story saying he is one of the finalists yeah, and I, I had heard a rumor that he had actually turned it down. I'm not sure if that's true or not. And because when, uh, when I told when I told Jimmy that last week, he was like, he did not. I'm like, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, and I know um, just from the other things I've heard is that he's, he has some feelers out at other universities, but it seems like most of the ones that are open now, I wouldn't think he would go to. But I could be wrong. I thought it was just due diligence, just to see what was going on, because. Uh, you know, he's got family there and, and, and he's building a program. And I do believe that, you know, he, he probably will leave in the next uh, few years or so, which is which will be good, actually, because that means uh, that he has turned their program around and, and, and uh, it will be a desirable job. So the next coach that will be there, it will probably be a good coach as well. So uh, I'm not all hung up on if coaches if they leave, if, as long as they've done a good job and, 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 and lifting a program and leaving it better than they, they found it. And that's one other question that I, that's actually one other question I want to pose as opposed because we, because I, I think we can all objectively agree that the nature of the mid-major coaches, you get there you, and if you're successful, you're, you're on to bigger and better things. That's just the nature of mid-major coaches in general. My question has always been, and I is the question of the or uh, the question of the order of succession. Like, for example, when Valpo, when Bryce Drew left Valpo, one of their assistants was next man up. Do you see a scenario? Uh, would you ever see a scenario when any, where any of the, where any of the other Horizon League schools would be in that situation, where you had a say, for example, a John Brannon did end up going to another a bigger to a power five school would is there is there an infrastructure in place where there's some consistency there and you know an assistant coach has been there for for a while and he's able he would get he'd get first dips for lack of a better term 
Well, I think I'll step in here real quick on this one because this was a hot topic for me. For you guys who follow me on Twitter, you know I was pretty upset when Wright State followed fired Billy Donlin. It was the same exact thing. Donlin Absolutely was inexplicable. A, I mean, he was, he was uh, you know, you had Brad Burnell who came in, got Wright State to the tournament in his second year. Brad Burnell left, went to Clemson. Within days, they hired Billy Donlin as top assistant. And my my first thing comes to mind is the Butler pipeline that's that, that they had going exactly. for so long. And I thought it was fantastic. So that that's where that went going for me. Um, now, you know, you start to look, obviously, Nagy's Getting talked about, uh, I think it has to be the right job for him now because he's got a good wealth of talent coming back the next couple years. But uh, but I think it's the same thing. Hopefully they can develop somebody. Uh, but I see that hopefully being a potential thing for Wright State. And do you see that? Do, do any of you see that happening at potentially some of your other schools? <laughs> Not, Not at, at mine. <laughs> yeah. Besides you, Chad. <laughs> you know what at at oakland i kind of do because someday we do have to figure out what life after campy is going to be and uh i think the answer is going to be within the pipeline but they're not at ou right now it's either going to be drew valentine who's at loyola chicago Mm -hmm. or or Saudi washington who's at michigan's which is interesting because they're playing each other today but um I think it's going to be one of those two. They're both longtime OU people that have gone off and are kind of doing their thing. But I think, it, and then the next, you know, four or five years, whenever Campy decides that he's done, and uh, I've had my issues with Campy, but but at the same time, I respect him. He gets to leave on his terms, as far as I'm concerned, and I think he's going to get that. But when he decides it's that time, I think it's going to be one of those two guys that comes in for OU. Okay. Now you know that adds that adds a different spin to it now because because I'm I wasn't I'm not really all that crazy about. Uh, the succession that of the pipeline that's right there on your bench. But in those cases, I think if an assistant goes someplace else and maybe gets some other teaching and philosophies like you uh, drew Valentine's and, 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 and the other guy that went off, they're getting exposed to some other type of coaching. Now, when they come back, they may bring a different style or a different type or an addition to where they have, because, because Kempe, uh, you know, you, you know what he he is what he is. You know what his system is. You know what his style is. Uh, That's so true. So so if they can if they have ties to the university and if they go someplace else and get some get some other type of teaching, I think that would be great. Because here, like at UIC, yes, uh, people are looking at D Brown, but D Brown in the back of his mind, he of course he wants to go back to Illinois at some point and be uh, either the head coach there. So. So we're not looking unless he gets the head coaching position sometime soon at UIC. I don't think the succession would be there. But in those two cases, when you talk about at Oakland, I can see that going someplace else and then coming back. That would be better. Speaking of UIC, because you know I was going to have to ask about this. Dikembe Dixon, him leaving. <laughs> I, I what I'm um. Where does UI, in terms of Dikembe Dixon leaving, where does that leave UIC? Better. <clears throat> I'm sorry, did I say that? <laughs> you know, Dick, hey, um, can you elaborate? Dixon is he's a, he's a good player, but Dixon of this season was not the Dixon of his freshman year. And in my opinion, it seemed that he regressed. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, when you have injuries like he had, you know, you saw it with. With D. Rose, it seems like it's a mental thing that some players, they never fully recover from or it takes them a lot longer than a year or even two to kind of come back from. 
it seems like that 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 ACL injury it affected his hands. He couldn't hold on to the ball, and he had it was just I, I don't I don't know who that player was. Uh, you know, and and his first year when he was shooting the ball because we didn't have a whole lot of help. A lot of these players and and analysts got in his head talking about the NBA, and he had scouts coming to the games. And and, uh, and for a young man like that whose dreams are to be in the NBA, that stuff kind of gets into your head and you really think sometimes that you are what you're really not not saying that he can't make a living uh, overseas but uh you know i wish him well but whenever most of the time when dixon was not in the game the ball moved better the defense was much better because he really didn't have a one-on-one defensive game like some of the other players did but uh you saw it when he left i mean we won Three games in the CIT, the ball moved, um, you know. So I wish him well, but uh, the, the team we have now, I think it'll be better next year if Coach McClain can get his act together and, and establish some type of <laughs> offensive system. I, and- I also got uh, the one thing I do want to ask about too, with uh, related to the Dixon, uh, with the, related to Dixon, is that. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but he was he during during the season he he was quite active on social media. You're talking about um, off season, going back and forth, and <laughs> did, how great he was. I mean, I can yeah. Oh, uh, was that a distraction? I mean, not really. Uh, the players the players knew how this guy was. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, even before he made the announcement about. You know, him taking his talents elsewhere. The, the team knew about it. Uh, the problem was the timing of it all. So they, they know how Dixon is. They knew how he was during the regular season. They knew how he was in the offseason when he was going back and forth with uh, the other people on Twitter talking about how great he was. Nobody could guard him and all of this. You know, and I understand that. Yeah, every player wants to believe that about himself. And that's great. You're just coming off freshman of the year in the Horizon League and, you know, you're thinking you're this. And Granted, I'll give him that. Confidence is a mother. Uh, but to go out, now you have to go out and prove it. And this past season, he did not. Granted, he averaged about 14 points a game, tied for top uh, scoring honors with Adi. But Dixon just wasn't the Dikembe Dixon that he probably thought he was. Good player, but, and like I said, wish him best. But uh, I don't know. I, I only ask because if I'm not mistaken, at least a couple of you on the, in this on this particular podcast <laughs> happen to uh, have conversations with uh, with Dikembe over the past season. That's true. Was that that guy? Was that the guy in Michigan? Was that the guy in Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, care to elaborate? Uh, me and me and Dikembe are good. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of his. I, I enjoy his banter. I wish him well. Uh, hey, yeah. I wish he was on my team in a lot of ways. I know me and Chad got into it uh, over Dikembe Dixon because I'm not a big fan of uh, tweeting players directly. I uh, will talk about players because if they're on there and they want to see it, whatever. But uh, I'm not a big fan of tagging them in the stuff. I don't know, but. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure um, I'm still blocked from uh, MKE Agitator. Yeah, you are. <laughs> well, as long as we got that. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't. How many? Oh, like I had at least one Cleveland State person. Uh, I think it was. Uh, oh crap! What? What was it? Uh, and John, I know you're still in the chat because your microphone still sucks. Um, it was a Hugh Thorpe. I know him and 
Dikembe got into it too, and I'm like, oh, dude, seriously. Uh, you know, I, I I gotta defend myself here. I didn't get into it with Dikembe Dixon. I, John, I don't care if she's only 15. He still got into it with him. <laughs> <laughs> And no, it's uh, yeah. I, it, it 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 was a weird. Uh, just anytime I saw the, anytime I saw back and forth, I'm like, uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> All I did was quote his tweet when he said he was leaving, yeah. and, and said that he should sit the bench for the rest of the year. That's all I said, and then well, he answered me. I- Ironically, and you're yeah, he you're uh, you know actually your wish is granted because he didn't play in the CIT. Well, I didn't want him to play against us in the tournament, but it didn't wind up mattering, so it was okay. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. So he he, he and he I, I he and I are fine. We're not at odds. There you go. No, I yeah, I I, I wish to Kimbe well. I honestly wish he he'd have been around for another season, but uh, it is what it is. I um, I think uh, I, I know he he had the injuries sophomore uh, the second his second year and I I hope that uh, that was going to be a little bit more of a thing that he was able to do, but that actually brings me up to another point. Um, as fans, when you look at interaction, you know, because of social media, and you look at the fan interaction with players i mean where where do you guys stand on that i mean the 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 Kemba dixon thing aside where where do you kind of stand on on that um you know and i i say this as somebody who has play who who because of you know my previous uh my you know because of the podcast because of um you know the, the writing i've done over the years um, have have players following me? Um, ha- had at least one tell me to shut the fuck up at least once. <laughs> that was earlier this year because apparently I suck at spelling people's names. Where do you guys stand on that? Well, uh, let me start with this real quick because uh, we have a running count in the uh, the right state crew. I have over <laughs> thirty five Horizon League basketball players that have blocked me on Twitter. Thirty five. Um, we use so we had. So, you know, I'm 25 now, so I'm a little, a little too old for it. But, you know, back in the, the early 20s, we would get the, all, all the information and we would be tweeting at players during the game as we would know stuff. So we actually, when we had the Youngstown State incident, when, uh, who was it, Lucas Podolsky uh, attempted to come off the bench and fight us, their entire team and program, uh, program blocked us off Twitter. So they had, to, uh, they had to move on from that. So as, as far as that, I think you're a target and, uh, hey, if, if you're going to put it out there, you got to comes with the territory. No. Yeah. There you go. I, I, I think it's uh, – with what we do, I mean, it's not like – I don't know how many are on here are real reporters. Bob, you may be, but um, otherwise, like, we just run I, blogs and, and, yeah. and message boards like myself. So, you know, and we have opinions. And I put uh, – mm-hmm. the, the, the first year – uh, that the, the, the Kimmy got injured. Well, well, his second year, in ten games into his second season, he got yeah. injured. And I posted on Flames Mania that um, I, you know, sometimes we, we we put out titles just to get viewers, and uh, I mean get readers. And the title of the article that I wrote was um, "Blessing in Disguise." And without reading it, Coach McLean inboxed me about oh. 
people say that I crushed a young man and what have you. I said, first of all, I didn't even say that it was a blessing. You used that and it was a question mark because someone may have mentioned that. Was it, a, in other words, was it a blessing in disguise? It was just to draw in the readers. And I gave kudos to Dixon and what have you. And I did mention that uh, once he went, once he was out, the team stepped up. They played better ball. They played team ball. Not a knock against him. It's just that the next man up philosophy kicked in and they all played better. So sometimes when you when you when you uh when you are uh when you have followers players who are followers or if you follow them it's almost as if you have to be careful what you say because it can be misconstrued just like texting nobody can nobody can hear the tenor of your voice nobody can see your face so they're just reading words and a lot of times they put their own spin on what they're reading so it, it, you know it's it's a thin line and uh, you know that's why I, sometimes i try and talk or post in generalities instead of specifics, because a lot of these people, first of all, they're young, they're they're naive, they have they're 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 reactionary, yeah. uh, they don't think things through, so you have to be careful with that sometimes. Yeah. No, no, I I having I having been in your situation up until last this, this last March. Um, just between um, my column and more of the fan and uh, Cleveland and uh, campus press box um, having, first of all, I, I made absolutely no illusions that I'm anything other than an opinionated loudmouth. But um, to your point, um, I always made, I was always mindful of, I always tried to be mindful of, you know, putting a torch to anything. Didn't always follow that. Um but it is it was always something in the back of my mind. It always didn't work all the time, but um, knowing that. But I'm interested in hearing some of your uh, every some of uh, some of the other folks um, your opinions on that because I know you know Chris, you know you run Norse Report, and Brian, you run Fear the Phoenix. I mean, you know, from your standpoint, having you know having doing those things, where where do you where is your interaction? You know. What is your standpoint on that? Uh, if it's okay, I'll go ahead and jump in first. Sure. Um, so I think my main philosophy has always been not to miss anybody or um, be too critical necessarily, just because I am trying to cultivate like relationships with some of these people so that, you know, I can get, I, we're trying to, you know, start podcasts and get some of these guys on to talk with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't really want to tick them off, especially at least on the NKU side. Um in terms of other teams, players, maybe we're not so opposed to doing that. But mm-hmm. um, at least for NKU players, we're really trying to like stay positive. I know I've had a conversation uh, with Coach Brandon before, like in the elevator on campus, and just always trying to be really positive with those guys and be sure. promoters of the university. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of other teams' fans, I could care less. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love that. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Hey, there you go. Hey, yeah. Um, 